Welcome back to For You and For Me, an alternative way to listen to Monsignor Karen Harrington's homilies. I'm Dave Plisky, and this past Sunday was the 24th Sunday at Ordinary Time. First, we heard Sirach's insights on vengeance and forgiveness. Next, we heard St. Paul tell the Romans that to be followers of Christ is to live and die for Christ. And finally, the parable of the unforgiving servant from Jesus himself in the Gospel of Matthew. Here are Monsignor's thoughts on our relationship to healthy and unhealthy feelings, Christian and unchristian actions in this context, and the consequences thereof. If you think about some of the great, great plays in history, especially in English literature, they contemplate the themes that we're hearing about in the scriptures today. Of course, I'm sure most of us, if you were in high school, you might have read snippets of Hamlet. Think for a moment about Hamlet, a man consumed with the desire for revenge, a desire for revenge which ultimately leads to the destruction of his beloved as well as himself. Othello, a man who, because of his jealousy, becomes enraged so much to destroy the one who was his beloved, Desdemona. Think for a moment in great literature how these themes of revenge and the antidote to what the damage that causes, forgiveness, plays itself out. We live in a bit of a culturally impoverished circumstance. And so maybe we're not reading the classics, those stories which have ennobled humankind for hundreds of years, but all we have to do is take a look at the best of English literature, in fact, the best of literature, and we can see they contemplate these themes. So the scriptures today speak to us about the need of forgiveness. I would propose to you that the starting point, however, is St. Paul, and it's a question for you and for me. Does Kieran Harrington live for himself? Am I the master of my own destiny? You know a song that's very popular, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way? This is probably epitomizing a certain mentality, but ultimately a mentality that is very narcissistic and turn in on itself. Because for a Christian, we don't say, I did it my way. What a Christian concerns is a vocation, vocation meaning a calling, that God has a specific purpose for every single person in this church. That it's not about how Kieran Harrington wishes to do it, but what is it that God wishes for Kieran Harrington? This is really the challenge. This is what each of us should be trying to figure out in our life. And if we can consider at a very fundamental level, whatever the particular calling that we have is, one thing that is universal is our calling to be ministers of reconciliation. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation. Notice what Sirach is saying to us, that first reading, right? It speaks about how wrath consumes. And not only does wrath consume, but it destroys the one who is wrathful, who is angry. I know this in my own life. I'm sure you do in your life. You know, there is a joke that says, Irish, Alt, Irish Alzheimer's, you forget everything but the grudge. We can dwell on the offenses 
that have been committed against us. But ultimately, when we dwell on the offenses that have been committed against us, then we are a captive. We are a prisoner. We become a prisoner of what has been done. Only in forgiveness are we set free. And notice, this doesn't take place immediately. Hamlet doesn't immediately destroy himself. Othello doesn't immediately destroy himself. But hatred and resentment is like a poison that ultimately begins to spread and take root in your life and in my life. It's not simply one major circumstance, it's a cultivation throughout our life. What's our disposition? Are we disposed towards mercy and forgiveness? Or are we predisposed to revenge and anger and frustration and holding on to these sorts of questions in our life? This is the question that's posed for you and for me by the scriptures today. And so we ask ourselves, what am I created for? What is the specific purpose that God has in mind for me? And I can recognize the manifestation of that in seeing how I am called to be a minister of God's mercy and reconciliation in the midst of the world. Now the challenge of forgiveness is it's easy to forgive when someone says to you, please forgive me. When someone asks for forgiveness, it's a little easier to forgive because you know they're sorry. And basically, we want reconciliation with people. We don't want the broken and alienated relationships. And so when someone says, I'm sorry, I move towards reconciliation. The challenge is, is when someone does not seek forgiveness. This then becomes the conflict for us. But only by extending ourselves to the other does the prison of anger, frustration, retaliation, does that, frus- does that, does that cycle get broken. And we see that in our own life, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. But think about how it plays itself on a national scale. You know, our nation stands really at the brink of war. You know, it's almost as though we are sleepwalking, but the United States and North Korea end up on a collision course. A small little country in Asia. A country that can become the flashpoint with China and Russia for a major worldwide war. How does this happen? How does it happen that we can end up in these circumstances? We maybe cannot address those big macro questions, but we ought to contemplate what has brought us to this point. How is it that there can be reconciliation among nations when there cannot be reconciliation in our homes, in our families, and in our workplaces. This then is the challenge for you and for me as Christians. And I would propose to you that the only way that we can forgive is supernatural, is a recognition that I have a calling, a calling from God, a calling which is to be that minister of reconciliation in the midst of the world. And so if we expect the world to change, we have to see ourselves. So consider for a moment that alienated relationship in your life right now. 
What is that circumstance in your life, that person whom you do not want to see, you do not want to talk to? What's that person, that anger that's buried deep down inside of you, that person you just want to avoid? Now the question is, is do you take the risk? The risk of reconciliation. Because in seeking to offer forgiveness, you risk that you might be changed. You see, when we refuse to, when we refuse to forgive, everything stays the same. But when I offer forgiveness, something must change within me. And most of us do not like change. Of course, the gospel calls us always to continual conversion. Truth of the matter is, is that we will stand before God all to be judged. I think, I was having this conversation with friends of mine recently, I think for myself, I think for most of us, we really don't consider judgment. Consider this for a moment. Forty years ago, if you were Catholic and you did not go to Mass on Sunday, you would not come to confession, you would not come to communion without going to confession first. Because you would be fearful of being condemned to hell for all eternity. In fact, you would not miss Mass because you would be fearful of being condemned by God to hell for all eternity. Now, I hardly think there is probably anybody in this church who thinks that if I miss Mass on Sunday and I get hit by a car, I'm going to hell. Do you? If you were to testify in court and to tell a lie, to perjure yourself, would you fear the risk of damnation? Probably not. Something I know I shouldn't do, but I am not fearing the risk of damnation. Most of us really have refused to recognize that we are judged at the end of our lives. And so, as a result, we kind of walk through life without contemplating the decisions we make. But each of us, our decisions have an ontological, have an ontological, which means at the level of being, they have a resonance. And so it's not simply a transaction, but it's an echoing effect that goes all through history. And so, therefore, because we think of our actions simply as transactions that are ultimately not really that significant, we don't consider the things we do or do not do and the implication it has beyond ourselves and for the broader society. And so that's why we do not forgive. We don't forgive because we don't recognize our need to be forgiven. We don't recognize how our offenses also ripple throughout history. Not simply in this moment here and now, but all throughout history. This is the dogma of original sin. I mean, consider for a moment what we believe. We believe that it was the sin of our first parents who turned against God that causes the alienation between God and man that requires the Son of God to die on a cross and rise from the dead. This is fundamentally what we believe. God, the scripture story is, of course, the eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. All of humankind is cast out of the Garden of Paradise for eating a fruit? Would we believe that? 
If I cannot believe that my sin, whatever it might be, whether it's not going to Mass on Sunday, whether it's taking the Lord's name in vain, whether it's stealing something that doesn't belong to me, whether it's perjuring myself, whatever the circumstances of my life, which we see codified basically in the Ten Commandments, if I do not see those elements as sin, disruption between my relationship with God and my need for forgiveness, reparation, reconciliation with God, it's also true then in my daily living out of my life, I don't see the need for me to forgive. And I would propose to you, in part because we as Christians have done such a poor job, you see the impact of that historically in the alienation of peoples. One of the great stories of the First World War, of course, is on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. The German troops and the French troops were basically Christians who were killing each other for inches, slaughtering each other by the bushels for in inches. On Christmas Eve, they shared a moment of celebration because Christ had come into the world. If it was possible for them so long ago, it should be possible for you and for me today. May God bless you. For You and For Me is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Ask us questions by tweeting at Monsignor H or by emailing podcast at desalesmedia.org. Until next week, for Monsignor Karen Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by, for you and for me.